then they started scaring me with, well, you have to be induced or your babies are going to die. Um, you have to have an epidural because you'll probably need a C-section and it's unsafe for you to not have an epidural. You have to deliver in the OR. And the whole time that they're telling me these things, I'm like so annoyed with them and feeling like they're telling me we don't know how to deliver twins unmedicated. And so that made me feel very unsafe. I was like, obviously you don't have experience. And I told her I'm not going to the OR. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. So I'm Raina Mustard. I live in Utah and I have four children. So my first two were, I had an epidural with my first and my second, I had a beautiful, like my dream birth, right? Unmedicated, everything was so perfect. And so I found out I was pregnant again and was really excited to have another natural birth. And I went to my midwives and then there was two babies. (laughs) So we were super excited and shocked. Then they said, okay, so we can't take care of you because in the state of Utah, midwives can't deliver twins for twin pregnancy. Was was this also, uh, was this a planned hospital or home birth? And was your second a hospital or home? So it had been a hospital birth with my last one. And I was hoping to be able to do a home birth with this one. And I just went to my old midwife group who didn't do home births, but, you know, just for the initial. And then I was going to start looking. I'm always curious to know how these laws get passed in states. Like, how did it come to be that someone appealed to Congress of all the things that they could be doing to better the lives of people? Who was so motivated to get to Congress and get a law passed that disallows midwives from supporting women having twins? It's it's an impingement of freedom. And was it like one thing that happened and they built a case for it? And what incentive did they have to build a case for it if that is what happened? Or... Is it something else, right? I think it's more that when midwives get licensed in the state, they try to make it as restrictive as possible because That's what it, is. It, it competes, it's competitive. So it's it's initially when the legislation, the licensure is passed and then you have to fight harder. They make it as restrictive as possible. So you have to fight harder over time to get more privileges. Yes. And it's it was totally ridiculous to me the whole time I was thinking, okay, so if you're thinking it's safer to birth in a hospital, then... A certified nurse midwife cannot deliver my baby in a hospital. So an unlicensed midwife in Utah can deliver twins, but that's not in a hospital. So I'm like, what's your point? If you're trying to make it safer and you think hospital birth is safer, then you're making it more unsafe by not allowing midwives to deliver there. Right. So that didn't make sense to me. And I searched for an unlicensed midwife. I just couldn't feel comfortable with it. The closest one that I felt comfortable with was an hour away. And so it just didn't feel like it was going to be the right move for me at that time. And so I switched over to an OB's office and it was the worst. (laughs) I did not like them. From day one, they were, I met with five different doctors in the group. I wanted a woman. That's very important to me. I feel like birth is a woman's face. And um, I love, the only man I want there is my husband. And I love that feeling of just like women's comfort and power. And so they they couldn't ensure that there was a woman because there was men in the practice and you get who you get. So then they started scaring me with, well, you have to be induced or your babies are going to die. 
Um, you have to have an epidural because you'll probably need a C-section and it's unsafe for you to not have an epidural. You have to deliver in the OR. And the whole time that they're telling me these things, I'm like so annoyed with them and feeling like they're telling me, we don't know how to deliver twins unmedicated. And so that made me feel very unsafe. I was like, obviously you don't have experience. To say to a woman, you need to have an epidural, I find very, um, like a major boundary crossing. Like, how do you, I understand that it's easier for them to build a case for induction, though it's it's so rarely evidence-based when you really look at how often induction is used and overused. But to say you need an epidural, it's like, I beg your pardon, what? You're telling me I need to I need to be numbed? Why? Like there's no benefit to that other than a longer, less efficient labor, but a far more restrictive labor that makes further intervention more likely. But I just find it a very unusual thing to tell a woman, you have to have this medication that is just anesthesia. Why? (laughs) Why They want want you ready for C-section. Right. But like, what are they, what is their, what's their argument for it? If you say to that doctor, why now do I need an epidural? Are they really just going to say, well, because it'll be more comfortable for you? What's their argument? If the baby, so they they said they would deliver um, vaginally if baby A was head down and baby B was breached, that was okay if baby B came out. So if baby B was breached, then I would need an epidural so they could reach up and pull them out. So they didn't know how to do breach birth, right? And then second, because- Oh my gosh, so that you wouldn't feel the discomfort of that incredible- um, uh, Invasive what's the procedure. <laughs> Invasive procedure. Um, and wow. then also you probably need a C-section. They're like, the chances of you having to have a C-section with twins is really high. And if there's an emergency, we won't have time to get in and we'll have to knock you out and you won't be able to hold your babies afterwards um, and do that first golden hour of skin to skin. So um, you need an epidural. That's the main reason they want to avoid general anesthesia. So you might as well just get the epidural because you're not likely to have a vaginal birth. Yes, exactly. And so I knew I was like, uh, well, obviously I'm not going to deliver with you because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so I actually reached out. Sorry, go ahead. I love, I love that you just praised it that way. I love that. We've had Dr. Stu Fishbein on the podcast, episode 128, for example. I'll just oh, I listen there. to it. <laughs> I, yeah. And I just want to say that for listeners, if they want to quickly look it up. And what you just said is exactly right, because they don't know how to do it, right? Yeah. It is a matter of whether a provider knows how to support reach delivery. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's fine, right? Like, I wish they would just tell me up front. No. I, I don't know how to do <laughs> unmedicated birth with <laughs> twins. I just said, okay, I'll find someone else. So I reached out to the doula that I used last time and I asked her if she knew of any providers who could do in that area who did twin unmedicated birth. Sent me a list and I chose someone off of it and went to meet her and liked her right away because she said, this is, you get to birth your way. This is your baby. This is your birth. And if you don't want an IV, you don't need an IV. If you want to eat, you can eat. Like This This was a female OB? Mm -hmm, A female OB. Nice. So I felt really good about her and loved the care that she gave to me. Yeah, I I still kept feeling though like I wanted a home birth. I couldn't shake that feeling. And it just continued the entire pregnancy. 32 weeks I got food poisoning, was in the hospital because of crazy contractions from being dehydrated. And I love the nurses there. And I was like, okay, we're good. Like these nurses are great. They're supportive. I'm going to be okay. And then let's see, 35 weeks the contraction started and oh my goodness, I had no idea that it could be that intense that early and not have any babies coming. And it was every night. It was like 
11, between 11 and 2 a.m. they'd start and they'd go till morning. And it felt like the middle of labor. So by 36 weeks, I went to maternal fetal medicine. And up to that point, I'd had a few conversations with them. So there's three different types of twins. You have mono-mono, and that's where they share a sac and a placenta. And then you have mono-die, and that is a share a placenta, but have separate sacs. And then my babies were die-die. So they had two sacs and two placentas. So um, my maternal fetal medicine doctor that I had met with before, I really liked. He, like I said, he was hands-off. Um, and he said, oh, you have die-die twins. You're basically, he's like, you're just, it's like having two pregnancies at once. There's not a lot of danger or worries that we have going on here. Like two babies in, um, in one sack can, you know, pose some more problems that could arise. So I love that. He's like, you don't have to meet with me very often. You're all good, whatever. And so 36 weeks I went in and I got a different maternal fetal medicine doctor <laughs> and she walks in and she says, okay, everything looks perfect. Let's get you scheduled for your induction. And I said, oh, I'm not getting induced. And she said, well, babies, you know, twins, they have a much higher risk of stillbirth. So after 38 weeks, they're more likely to die. It's important that you get induced. And I had done a lot of research and I joined this amazing Facebook group that if you're pregnant with multiples, you have to join. It's called Birthing Multiples Naturally. And it's just lots of women who are very supportive, great stories. Um, really helped me feel empowered. And I knew from there that this was a common question and had done a lot of research on it. And so I told her, oh, are you referring to the studies that say it's um, the risk is below 1%, so it's 0.8% risk of stillbirth. And those studies did not differentiate between twins who had their own placentas, so die-die or mono-die, where they were sharing a placenta. So I don't, I'm not sure like, applicable this is to me and I feel very comfortable going much farther than 38 weeks she said well do you want to go I said oh I'm good 41 42 weeks she was the, so stressed out by that the fact that you could pull that research out you probably knew more about it than she did yeah and I love I loved sure. how she probably just tried to save face you know oh and, yes she keeps going so she says well um past 38 weeks, your placentas are going to age too much and um, it's God. not going to be safe. And I had just listened to your episode about the myth of the aging placenta. Number 150. Yes. So I, I brought that up to her and, um, and she said, I said, well, research indicates that that's not entirely true and that placentas don't age. And so I feel very confident going forward. She said, well, that your babies are going to get too big. So I said, well, which is it? Is my placenta just, going just keeps to reaching. not work? <laughs> is it going to be so, like, is it going to fail or is it going to work so well that these babies get too big? I was like, I'm very confused here about what you're trying to tell me. And so she says, well, there's no benefit in having a baby in utero past 38 weeks. So oh my gosh. there's no point. And I said, well, I'm just going to have to disagree with you and I'm going to keep going. She said, I'm just going to write down that you're ignoring my advice. I said, that's fine. And so she called my doctor and told my doctor that I scared her. And I said, well, she was trying to scare me and it didn't work. So maybe she should do some more research. Um, what, what is she scared about? The only thing she's scared about is her own liability. Right? Yeah, that's I it. Guess. I mean, she's not, I don't need, I mean, I, I have such a different take on this. I just feel like if we could really remove ego, if we could really remove the conflicts of interest, this wouldn't be so prevalent. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe her research is so 
core that she truly believes she's doing what's better for you, but to totally disregard what a woman wants, mm-hmm. to totally disregard the birth plan you're looking to have. I mean, even ACOG is saying in big letters, take into account what the mother wants and mm-hmm. that gets totally ignored. Yeah. And I was honestly, I felt sorry for her. I walked away feeling like this poor woman is so scared of birth and birth is beautiful. Like it's natural and it's normal and there's no reason to be afraid of it. So I felt sad for her and I had contractions every night. And I thought tonight is the night the baby's coming. And we talked to the doula and babies didn't come and babies didn't come. And so I'm at the end of 38 weeks and I'm talking to my mother-in-law on the phone and she's like, oh my gosh, you're having these babies. Like you're almost 39 weeks. Your body has been doing all this prep. She's like, I'm coming tonight and you're going to have these babies this week. And so she came and she took care of us. And I was so grateful because I have what a four-year-old and a two-year-old and was exhausted. <laughs> and um, I went into the doctor that week and got a membrane sweep. I had really thought about it. And I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing these up all night contractions. Like this is, I feel comfortable with this form of, of induction. Um, and it didn't work. So I went in two days later for a non-stress test. Um, my daughter, did, sorry. Can I interrupt? Did, yeah. it, did it not only, it, did it, it didn't get you into labor, but did it make your uterine irritability worse or was it no. just the same? It was pretty much the same. There's a little bit of um, discharge, like a little bit bloody mucusy discharge, but not much. And so that, it just didn't work, right? I was like, oh, we'll have a baby. I, oh, I should say this. I was dilated to a four and 70% effaced. So I thought, oh, for sure we're having a baby, like babies (laughs) that worked. Um, It didn't work. So I went in for my non-stress test because baby B had a single vessel umbilical. So instead of having two arteries and a vein, she had one vein and one artery in her umbilical cord. And so there is a risk of a couple different things, right? Like she might, might not grow as well, might have a couple different problems. And so we just wanted to keep an eye on that. And after that, I got a second membrane suite from my doctor and nothing happened. So I'm like, fine, the babies will come when they come. So at this point in 39 weeks, two days, and everyone is shocked. They're like, I've seen anyone go this far. I'm like, that's because you induce everyone, but I'm not getting induced. So I'm going to carry them as long as I need to. And um, I was sitting at dinner Saturday night and I felt a huge contraction. And then I felt a little damp. So we thought, oh, maybe the water's broken. And my husband and I are kind of like lollygagging a little bit. We're like, oh, these babies, they've been tricking us for a while. They're not coming. And my mother-in-law is like, please go to the hospital right now. I don't want to deliver babies at your house. (laughs) So we packed up and went and it was kind of inconclusive. They couldn't tell if my water had broken. It broke with my two other kids and it was like a flood. So I was like, I don't think it's broken, but maybe just in case. And they couldn't tell, but I was dilated to a five and 80% of face. And so they're like, please don't leave. Like you're probably going to have babies. My husband and I thought, yeah, we'll just stay a couple hours and then go home. Nothing's happening. And I should mention at this point, my doula, who has been just like my rock through this whole pregnancy is super sick. So she can't even stand up. And I was devastated because I thought I can't do this without her. So she sent someone else in her place and I FaceTimed her and then we decided, oh, she'll come and we'll get to know each other and maybe see if we can get things moving. And this doula was incredible. Like I love her so much. She 
Well, you'll see. You'll see why she's so amazing. <laughs> so we start moving around and I take a shower and and I start feeling, okay, maybe things are getting a little bit different. Maybe this is for reals. And the doctor comes in. The doctor is not my doctor because she's not available. Of course, it's an on-call doctor. So I've never met, already a little freaked out that I'm going unmedicated. And it's telling me for sure I have to deliver in the OR because that's not a choice. Um, and I told her I'm not going to the OR. Oh, nice. Wow. Really? So <laughs> it was not fun. It what was happened? not fun. She just kept hounding me and she wanted me to go and was giving me all these reasons. And I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. She's like, okay, well, I'll be back. And when you progress, we'll talk about it more. So she leaves a nurse who we all could tell is not on our side. Oh. <laughs> and I felt so sorry for her afterwards because I'm sure, you know, she had a lot of pressure from the doctor and for her job and everything, but she was not very supportive of me not going to the OR. <laughs> um, and it's funny because this whole time, I don't remember if I said this, but the minute I found out I couldn't have a midwife, I felt like I was gearing up for battle. I knew from the first moment that this was not going to be a beautiful, peaceful birth, that this was going to be a battle to get what I wanted. And I had to be ready for that. So every night in the shower for months, I'm running through scenarios. Okay. If they say this, this is what I'm going to do. If they do this, this is how I'm going to handle it because I want a natural birth. I know it's better for me and the baby and it feels good. And I love it. That's what we're going to do. My, my OB was supportive of that, but the song call, not so much. <laughs> so um, let's see. So at this point, it starts getting more intense. My birth photographer shows up. I'm looking at my affirmation cards that I had made, um, some beautiful poems from my favorite book called Mother's Milk. And it's about, it's poems about the divine feminine. And it just really helps me to feel centered and grounded. And, um, and I'm starting to make those noises, right? Where you're, every time you have a contraction, you, and you're just like getting through those contractions. And the doctor comes in and says, all right. Really, okay, so I have this environment, right? I'm like, everyone's quiet. It's beautiful. I'm listening to music. The lights are down. I'm ready to go. And she comes in and says, okay, guys, looks like something has changed. Time to go to the OR. And I'm like, <laughs> don't bring that energy in here. Yes. Yeah, read the room a little bit. <laughs> go away. So that's, it was like, she snapped me out of it. I was so annoyed. And she's still talking to me. Well, we just want to have a safe baby and this is the best way to do it. And we're going to have our whole team there in case you need a, you know, uh, anesthesiologist and talking really loud. And I'm going, Ooh, and she's talking over me and this is what we need to do. And, um, I'm telling her I'm not going like, I don't want to go. I'm not going. And my doula says, she's already discussed this with her regular doctor. She says, she's not going. She keeps going, keeps going, keep trying to get me to go. And my husband says, can you please just give us 20 minutes? Good. So That's she, a good strategy. You ask for time, get, them, yeah. get rid of them for a while and ask for time. Yeah. I was kind of annoyed that she only listened to him and not me, hmm. but she did listen to him as she left. She's like, fine, I'll be back in a bit. And the nurse says, well, if you're not going to go, we can always wheel you there. And I wow. said, you wheel me to the OR and I will walk out of here and have my babies in the parking lot. And she's like, <laughs> Did you really say that? Yes. Wow. I was so mad at her. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm having these babies. 
I love that and, you can't judge how strong a woman is by looking at her or listening to her voice. I mean, you're all smiles and cheerful and feminine mm-hmm. and you're a force. And I love that you really can't judge a woman. And that's the mistake they often make. My husband, like, we can push her around. She's really sweet. This is a lo- really nice woman. We can push her around. And it's like, you're like, try me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my <laughs> husband always jokes about how I am during labor. He's like, you turn into a whole new person. It's very primal where I go. Um, so we, so they started saying that and I'm just it, like, they killed the moment, right? I was in such a good space and I was so mad and I was so annoyed. And I'm like yelling at my husband and the doula. I'm like, how dare she? She only went a safe baby. I'm like, of course, that's like the baseline for me. That's like, bed is best. Well, of course, bed is best. That's this really lame baseline. If we're trying to keep everyone alive, like, why don't we have why don't we care about these other things? Like my job is to deliver the babies and your job is to keep them safe. Should an emergency arise, leave me alone otherwise. And I'm like, I'm, I can't do this. And I said, I, I, she ruined my mood. Like she killed my vibe. I was ready. I need an epidural. My husband's like, Oh no, you're going to kill me. If I let you get an epidural, <laughs> Uh-oh, that's a tough moment. I'm like, no, I need one. I'm like, I can't do this at this point anymore. Um, I just can't get back in the right headspace and I'm trying and I'm looking at my cards. And I just, my affirmation cards, I just can't do it. I can't get in the headspace. And so he says, well, what if they check you? What if we just see where you're at? Cause if you're 10, maybe you can start pushing. So I said, fine, you can check me. And they said, okay, you're an eight and you're an 80% of face. You're said, in transition. I said, give me an epidural. <laughs> and I didn't have an IV. So they said, well, we'll start with the IV. And this, I'm getting emotional, like already. (laughs) This was like my moment where I felt, whatever you want to call it, divine intervention, something that was just very powerful, made a huge difference to me. Um, They started looking for my veins to give me an IV. And um, they tried many times and I had bruises on my arms for weeks because they couldn't find a vein. They looked everywhere and they said, we don't understand. Your veins look perfect. You're so well hydrated. This should be so easy. And we can't get a vein. And it hurts so bad that I said, I don't care anymore. Don't touch me. I don't want the IV. I don't want the epidural. I can do this. Um, so my doula said, All right, you need to go to the bathroom. She said, You need to go relieve your bladder so the baby can descend. And she said, Chad, go take your wife to the bathroom. She had candles lit up in there and blankets on the floor. She later told me the nurse was not happy she was doing that. She's like, oh no, the bathroom's a great place to labor. I'm not setting it up for anything. It's just in case she's on the floor laboring at some point. Um, so we went in there and when I relieved my bladder, I felt the baby come down and I said, don't wrap me out to that nurse, but I'm pushing. And my husband says, oh no, are you going to make me deliver this baby in the bathroom? These babies, two babies on the bathroom floor of the hospital. And this is how I knew that the babies were coming out because I got into my real primal crazy place. And I said, no, I'm the deliverer. I'm going to deliver these babies. And he's just laughing at me at this point. So he gets out his phone flashlight and I'm on the ground and he's like, okay, bend over. I'm going to see if I can see a head. And he's speaking with his phone flashlight. And the nurse opens the door at this point and says, oh, that's cute. I've never seen a husband do that before. Wait a second. What are you guys doing in there? 
And so she runs out to get the doctor and she, they come back in and my doula comes into the bathroom and is helping me. And I'm like, I'm pushing. I'm like, Emily, this is it. Like, here comes this baby. And I was so grateful that she had the bathroom ready because it just was a safe place, right? Where no one was in there. It's just me and my husband. And I just felt like, okay, this is it. This. And so the doctor comes in and she's like, fine, I won't make you go to the OR, but can I at least help you deliver your babies? And I said, no, I don't like you. Go away. Wow. Did you, you said those words. I said those words and I'm on the floor on my hands wow. and knees and I reach for the door to pull it closed towards me. And I really misjudged the space and the door slams into my face. And it's, it didn't even hurt. Right. Like I'm sure it looked terrible, but my husband's like laughing so hard. He's like, you are insane. What? You turned into a crazy person to have these babies. I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't want her in here. And my doula's like, I can't deliver your babies. Your husband doesn't want to deliver your babies. Um, can you turn around and maybe scooch out a little and we can get this doctor to help you a little bit. They said, okay, fine. So I, Turn around. I back up out of the bathroom a little bit. It's on my hands and knees. And... You come crawling out backwards on your hands <laughs> yes. and knees. It sounds so funny. This like the door hits like, you in the face. This? You start crawling out. I know. <laughs> they must have been talking about you for days. <laughs> That's what my husband said. I'm like, later, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of feel bad. And he's like, don't. You gave him the best story of the year. He's like, they're Absolutely. all. They're probably still talking about it. I mean, a no. lot of women describe themselves as primal, but you really were primal. Yes. <laughs> I'm like this crazy person. Not crazy. I'm just primal, right? I'm just You're having primal. babies and I'm doing it my way. And so we, we climb out of there and, um, and I'm like, here comes the head. I start pushing and the head comes out and I'm like, oh, the baby, his head is out. And they said, no, that's his water. And I said, no, that's his head. And they're like, no, that was, that's the bag of water. Mm-hmm. And it had bulged out and it felt like pushing out a head. So I feel like I pushed out three heads, which is really unfair. <laughs> and then it popped, it exploded everywhere. Everyone's covered in water and blood. And then the baby comes out. And his head gets stuck and they start yelling. He's coming out head first, or this is the second baby coming out butt first. This this is the first baby coming out head first. And they start yelling. It's a shoulder dystocia and they're telling me to push and I can't push. I'm like, I'm trying. I feel like I'm bearing down and nothing. I can feel nothing is happening. So they, um, then you were on your hands and knees on my hands and knees and the doctor has got the baby by the head and she's just yanking him. And my husband's yelling at her, don't yank him so hard. He's got bruises all over his face afterwards. Um, we've had to do, we did chiropractic care because he was so stiff for the first couple of weeks. And I just felt like mm. it's from this yanking, like this, it was so hard how hard she was yanking. And he's relaxed so much since we've done this gentle chiropractic baby massage. Um, and so they tell me, I don't know who said it, but they said, you, you need to flip over. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pregnant with two babies. I'm on my hands and knees. I'm pushing out these babies. And you want me to turn myself over? <laughs> so my sweet doula, I'm pretty sure it was her, at least in the picture, she's got my leg, helps me flip over. And he just slid right out. When you flipped over? As soon as I flipped over, he just slid right out. Did you flip um, fully over onto your back? Mm-hmm, fully over onto my back. Just He just needed a different position, right? Mm-hmm. Do you mean your spine was flat against the surface or do you just mean you flipped over and your tail between your tailbone and your head, like your whole spine 
was that flat mm-hmm. against a horizontal surface or were you angled upward? Because there's a big difference between the two. And if you were angled upward, I just wanted that distinction known. That's a good question. I would have to check the pictures to see. But well, in the case of shoulder dystocia and where she was, the optimal position, if you're going from hands and knees, if you were on your back, you'd flip to hands and knees. But if you're on your hands and knees, you'd flip onto your back and put your legs up. That is at that point in the birth when the head is already out and you're trying to rotate the shoulders. I thought a runner's lunge was also a really good one. No. Yes. That's what I was going to say. You could have stepped one leg forward on your hands and knees and that may have done it as well, but this doctor was not going to support that. She wanted full, full vision. And, you know, she wanted the McRoberts maneuver, which is what they're trained to do when there's a shoulder dystocia. Yeah. I told my husband many times, uh, I'm sure she's a lovely doctor, but she was a terrible midwife. (laughs) I wish I had a midwife. (laughs) So, well, there's no reason to, there's no reason to even say, I'm sure she's a lovely doctor. You had enough evidence to believe that she really isn't right. Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms to be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com and cherry on top, you guys can use code down to birth at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. 
Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, maybe she knows what she's doing medically, but she doesn't know what she's doing birth wise. And I don't like this. <laughs> um, yeah, but he came out, slid right out. They put him on my chest. I'm holding him and, um, I have another contraction and baby girl's head comes out. And she just slides right out. Her water pops at the same time. And she has a little bit of the sack on her head. And she was also head down. Mm-hmm. She was also head down. They, I don't think I mentioned their weights. Baby A was uh, seven pounds, 15 ounces. And baby B was six pounds. Oh, no, sorry. He was 712 and she was 615. Oh, and that was an argument we had had earlier too. She's like, well, breach extraction, you know, it'll be good. If the baby's breached, if you're in the OR, we can just give you an epidural and pull her out. And I was like, no, I'm able to birth a breach baby and you're not going to reach up into me unless there's like an actual emergency, like, you know, heart rate goes down or something. It's such overkill. I mean, if a baby can come out breach and they can, like, why should hands be in there pulling it out? If, if the baby, if the baby can come out with hands, then the baby can come out with the muscles of the body. And it does, it's a weird argument to me, either the baby fits coming out breach or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason for them ever to go in there. I can't believe they do that to any woman. It's, it's unthinkable to me. Yeah. They really wanted me to be monitored the whole time. I wouldn't do that. I asked for, um, intermittent, intermittent oscillation. Is that what you guys? Auscultation. Auscultation. That's what I learned about it from your episode. And then like, oh, we can't do that because there's two babies. We don't, won't know who is who. It just, you know, they weren't very accommodating. Obviously you've seen that, but we got the babies out and they're laying on my chest and I started getting really nervous about the placenta because everyone is like, Oh, you know, retain placenta with twins is a thing and you should be nervous about it. And so I was nervous about it, but, uh, they were just sitting right in my vagina. And as soon as I like got in a squatting position, they just slid out. So they were fine Two beautiful placentas. Um, and I, Everyone's like, okay, for your babies, because my husband had them skin to skin. And I didn't care. I felt depleted. I felt like um like I had nothing left to give. And now looking back, I'm really mad about that. I feel like I gave so much to having the birth and the labor that I wanted, that this beautiful golden hour where I am usually feeling just flooded with love and excitement and protectiveness. Um, it wasn't there. And I, I was really sad. About, I'm still really sad about that. I feel like I was, I was robbed from by the system or this doctor or whoever, you know, just gave me this really tough time that I didn't have energy left for that, that moment. And, um, I got it back after I, I torn just a little bit. And after I got stitched up and everything, I called them and loved them and was excited and you started feeling good again, but, um, really bummed out about that that first hour that was gone. So you use the word robbed. Mm -hmm. I've used the word robbed so many times through the years, because that is the feeling of so many women that they weren't necessarily 
assaulted or feeling assaulted or invaded, but they just feel robbed of what could have, and they believe should have been mm-hmm. a gentler, more satisfying birth. And yeah. that that's a, that's a horrible way to feel because it's just like someone stole something from you and yeah. there wasn't a reason for it. Exactly. And that's the hard part, right? Is that there wasn't a reason for it. Um, I'm very proud of my ability to advocate for myself to make sure that what I wanted happened and it did, right? The birth happened the way, I, almost exactly how I envisioned it. <laughs> it's like, okay, I know I like giving birth on a floor because it's a harder surface than the bed and I feel like I can push against it better. So I imagined like, it'll probably be on the floor and it'll probably go like this. Down to the same room that I had imagined that I had been in before was the room that I got put in, um, which was pretty amazing to me that I I felt like, okay, I can can do this. Um, This is exactly like I imagined and I did do it and I'm very proud and I wish that I had had a home birth still. (laughs) Um, But you can do it, right? If you want to have an unmedicated twin delivery, you can do it. If, if there's no issues that you're seeing beforehand, right? We didn't have any problems. It was a normal, healthy pregnancy, no preeclampsia, no, like nothing. Everything was perfect. So like you can do it. Two comments. One, um, that feeling that you described of feeling not wanting to really hold or see the babies after is mm-hmm. not, it's not really terribly uncommon really? for women who have like the intensity of what you went through is mm-hmm. so great. And then sometimes when it's over, it's just like your body, everything needs to shut down for a little while. And even in, even in births where the woman had her total dream birth with her dream provider felt completely supported, nothing was difficult. I've, I've seen that happen to women. I think okay, just, that's good to like, know. And it, I think it's mostly physiologic. Like it's, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily emotional or mental or because you didn't like your provider. Mm-hmm. Um, although that could have played into it too. Um, That's good to know. That can help me like work through this a little bit more, right? Like, yeah. Okay. And then, like you, you had twins. That's a lot. And, yeah, it's a lot. And you, and you had to fight a lot. So you, you really had to have all your adrenaline and things on, on high alert. Mm-hmm. The other thing is when you were wanted the epidural, you were at the exact moment in space where, you know, a midwife would look at you and say, it's okay. We're just going to ride through this. It's transition. That's the time in labor when everyone wants to quit, when everyone asks for the epidural, when everyone wants to leave the experience done over, can't do it anymore. That's how you know you're close. And I'm grateful my husband knew that from our last one. He's like, this is what she said last time. And then we had a baby really soon. And it was, it was within, let's see, that was at... I was around 4.30 and I had the babies at 5.03 and 5.06. Even in a woman, even a woman who's been through labor multiple times, like you don't remember that you did that the second time and the first time, but Mm -hmm. your husband did. And you know, if you had the same midwife, they would also, they would probably look at each other and be like, well, here she is. We know she's close now. She's asking for the epidural. She wants to go to the hospital. Yep. They were born three minutes apart. Three minutes apart. One contraction apart. How did this birth of your twins change you? This, my birth of my twins made me feel, um, we keep coming back to this word, right? Powerful. Like I feel so powerful. I feel so proud of myself. I feel like I can do um, what needs to be done. I have so much trust in body and what it can do that it carried two babies to term. um, And I was so like my body did that. My body conceived and carried twins 
safely, perfectly. Um, I was able to give birth to them wonderfully. You know, the little shoulder dysphagia aside, like that's manageable, right? It was managed. She came out and everyone is fine and healthy and, and I'm happy. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Thanks so much for inviting me and making time for me. Like I seriously, you guys made a big difference. The your episode on the the role that fear plays in labor made a huge difference for me and knowing how I needed to um, protect my space during labor and um, and really lean into my husband and feel safe with him. And that made a big difference for me and not letting that doctor make me afraid. It's like, no, you're wrong. The maternal fetal medicine and the, the on-call doctor. I'm like, no, I like, there's no room That's for a fear here. It's a lot here. to stand up to. It's a yeah. lot to stand up to. You did it. Not afraid. <laughs>